The Legendarium Podcast is brought to you by, by you. So please visit patreon.com slash legendarium to, to support the show. But for now, welcome to The Legendarium. Let the veins sink back into your forehead. Resume listening. Go back, rewind here. Yeah, we, we lost 18 <laughs> listeners that day. And, and four Patreon out of, subscribers. Out of, out of 22. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. This is episode number 300 and something or other. We are talking about Rhythm of War. <laughs> Rhythm of War parts three and four. So if you have not yet gotten to that part in the book, uh, then I suggest that you do so. You should have finished part four by now. If you haven't, then please turn back because we will be spoiling everything. I have a question. Are we talking about the interludes as well? We, yeah, if we get there. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh boy! Yeah. Oh. Sure. What? Okay. We'll so maybe out. the middle ones, but maybe not the after part four ones. I don't know. Okay. Thank you. Continue. All right. So <laughs> I do want to remind everybody before we get started, please head to thelegendarium.com. That's where you can find uh, links to all of our socials, especially the Discord server, which is really hopping right now. Uh, so go check out uh, thelegendarium.com. You can also go support the show at patreon.com slash legendarium. We so much thank those who already do so and hope that uh, more of you will jump on board. I got to admit, we don't we do not do Patreon very well. Uh, you guys know no. that the idea behind Patreon is we offer all sorts of like little behind the scenes and extras and whatnot, and we, we don't do any of that. We need to do better at that. No, I, it's... <laughs> My thing has always been no. We give you we give you a show for free. Yeah, you know, tip your piano man, right? That's basically what this is. Okay, throw throw a few bucks in the jar. That so we great. need to launch the lazier Patreon, just the tipper. Call it tipper and just... tipper. Yeah, with, with no Ooh. e, of yes. course. Yes, yeah, just T I P P T I P R. Just T I P R. Can we can we call it? Can we also take the e off the end and call it Tipper Gore? No, I would not go that route. No, okay, all right. If anybody does that, we are claiming royalties. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, you've already heard their voices, but let me go ahead and introduce these uh, <clears throat> fine folks. Over there, well, he'd be safe on Roshar, actually, because he's so tone deaf, he poses no danger to anyone. It's Todd Wenty. I do not resemble that remark at all. <laughs> and he has his own version of Adolin's power glove, but every time I walk in the room, he hurriedly puts it away. Can't imagine why. It's Ryan Bruckman. <laughs> It's a special glove, and you don't get to be around when I use it. <laughs> and she <Ew>. once, <laughs> and she once showed me her safe hand, but only long enough to slap me with it. It's Megan Smythe, and you deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that is uh, that, that's who is talking to you today. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you are enjoying your read through of Rhythm of War as much as we are. Uh, it's. Uh, it's been a very fun and interesting ride up to this point. And boy, are we looking forward to getting to part five. Mm -hmm. But for now, let's kick it to Ken for a recap, which I have not yet listened to. 
All right, folks, four parts in, and the best Stormlight insight I can give you is do not try to understand Sanderson while simultaneously fighting a brain-eating virus. Yurithiru is firmly under Singer control, and they're rapidly moving to knock down the shield that's keeping them from unmaking the sibling and essentially ending this war in the bad way. Kaladin is doing what he can to protect the nodes, but with only one barely functioning surge, his only recourse is to destroy nodes two and three, nearly taking himself with them. Fortunately, a little Dalinar intervention and the work of the remaining Bridge 4 managed to keep Stormblessed alive another day. Raboniel is trying to convince Navani that Singers want peace through cooperation. All it would take is for the humans to give up those trivial things like freedom and self-determination. But to Navani, it's a chance to get her hands on some nifty Fabrial mechanics while sowing insurrection. It's a great idea, gives us a creme ton of fantastic insight into the deep cosmic physics, and it certainly won't maybe literally blow up in her face. She has to keep them busy to give Kaladin time to heal. Fortunately, the Rosharan version of the telephone game leads the team to Lyft, who's still functioning as well and can actually wake Radiance thanks to her fancy life light-powered progression surge. It allows her to heal Kaladin and Teft and to start raising resistance forces. I'm sure Truth Watcher Venley would help, but she's too busy running away. At Raboniel's insistence, that probably means she knows something. Meanwhile, news from the front. United forces withstand a skybreaker assault and push back the enemy forces. Queen Yasna is taking matters into her own sword, literally cutting dissenters out of the upper ranks and simultaneously modernizing the Alethi world. It makes Dalinar realize that he can step back from hands-on war-making and focus on bondsmithing, because he is woefully behind when it comes to his training. But a literal hands-on connection with Nalan leaves Dalinar with two realizations, that maybe he can bond a replacement for the Oath Pack, and what better place to search for answers than the guy who formed the last one? Over in the cognitive realm, Shallan faces a severe crisis of conscience when all three of her discover that Rastaris is actually the Herald Kalek, and the Ghostbloods want him bottled up in one of those fancy Herald-eating daggers. Adolin's quest to sue for cooperation is stuffed by his disruption of honor sprint bureaucracy and betrayal, only to be protected and advocated for by the voice of Maya Lauren, something we all kind of saw coming, but is still fantastic. She admits that Spren played just as much a role in the Recreants as the Radiants did, choosing to go to their own deaths. It clears Adolin, vindicates humanity, and critically possibly paves the way for more Windrunners. There was more stuff about light and sound and sand and colors and light-catching jars, but honestly, my eyes started to glaze over by that point. The point is, there's different kinds of invested light. Navani finds them by using the freaky fused Fabrial dagger, and of course, it gives Psycho Singer exactly what she wants, a way to destroy the nail bond for good by killing the Radiant Sprint. Who wants to bet they start with everyone's favorite Radiant team of Siladin? Or is that Calfrena? I don't know. So what was so bad that Sprint would willingly sacrifice themselves to break the Oath Pact? Because this is how things work on Roshar, what are the other flavors of the rest of the ten forms of invested light? Who's the dragon on Roshar that Wit knows? So, um, strange love triangle between Shallan, Adolin, and Mylaren, anyone? Alright, that's enough for me, and I don't care if they play for the wrong team, Skybreakers still rule. Okay, thank you, Ken. I have no idea what you just said. I'm going to drop that in later. I'm sure it was hilarious, and that you asked a ton. I'm, I bet you asked a bunch of questions that I haven't heard, and therefore we're not going to answer. So it can, you can get on Discord with everybody else, and we'll hash it out there. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> Ryan, do you want to kick us off with... Uh, what, what do you want to start with in our discussion of parts three and four here? So I think one of the first things we should talk about, uh, and not because I found it incredibly uh, enthralling or anything, but in this book, we get our flashbacks in part three. Yeah. They're all locked into basically just one area. Right. And we go through and we talk, do Eshenai. Are they done by the end of three? Do We, we don't get any in it four? It gets into four. A little uh, bit into four. A little okay. bit. Um, but it's... Pretty much the first time also in the series, though, that our flashbacks haven't been handed to us even uh, early on in the story. 
And so we're following the story of Eshenai and Venli. Um, and it's a story that we're already familiar with a bit, similar to uh, the prologue, where it's uh, an event we have already seen from other perspectives. Right. We're now visiting the listeners taking storm form and uh, Esh- uh, not Eshenai's, but Venli's discovery and learning a little bit more about the five and the whole process of them getting to where they are. And so uh, personally for me, I want to talk about this first and foremost, just because I, it sounds terrible, but I I didn't really care about the flashbacks the way I have in the past. And I don't know if it's just from a lack of connection to the character, um, if they were just not as interesting or because we already had information about that or, or what. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Todd, you go ahead. I, 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 I find that interesting because for me, this was I I enjoyed these flashbacks at least as much as I had the ones that have, of Cal's early life with Tien and mm-hmm. some of those other some of those other pieces, but I enjoyed it for a very different reason. I when I had when when we saw Esh and I and Venli before, we got such such minimal glimpses of who they were, and now that uh, now that Venli has risen to the to a, the form of a regal and has found out that. Life is not always better on the other side of the uh, 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 the other side of the Kremlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, trying to figure out a nice way to say that, can't come up with one. Oh, well. the other side of the unclaimed hill. The other the other side of the shattered plains. Whatever we want to go with, right? Um, but we we I almost started to feel some real sympathy for Venley on some of the things that she was going through. But then we get into these uh, into these flashbacks, and I got to admit. I think Venley's a piece of work. Yeah, mm-hmm. I got I, I got mad, I got frustrated, I got angry because I'm I'm watching her. We're we're as we read this, I feel like I'm watching her be manipulated into manipulating everyone around her, and she goes along with it. Well, that's that's maybe the only thing about it that I found compelling. I'm mostly with Ryan. I had a hard time caring. And I remarked on this with Ryan on our spoiler-free review where the, uh, okay, book one is Kaladin's book, book two is Shallan's book, book three is Dalinar's book, and book four is Roshar's book, basically. Yeah. Basically, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's yeah. not, uh, it's, I'm not made to care as much about these two characters that I'm supposed to be caring about in the way with the that I have with the other three. Yeah. But the one thing that I did find compelling was that kind of portrayal of somebody who is so prideful that it makes them easy to manipulate. Yes. And, and and prideful in a way, like kind of pathetically so, because she's watching Esh and I get all the achievements and, yeah. you know, unlock, you know, whatever the PlayStation trophies are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> she's watching all that go on and going, well, hang on. I'm smart. I'm capable. How come I'm not? getting all of this too and so it's that uh, it's envy and pride all and jealousy into well lots of jealousy that he, her sister seemed to get all of the attention oh you mean envy okay yeah 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 um well yeah okay we call it whatever you can't be jealous of what you don't have todd it yeah, is you can. it is kind of interesting though that uh esh and i definitely sees all of this and she kind of makes a comment at one point where she's like you know, I'm doing really well, but every time Venley joins in with me, she just makes it so much harder, and it's just really hard to be around her. Where they were close growing up, they were really good friends, but Venley just, she lets this desire to 
be as good as her big sister, which I think a lot of people could identify with, yeah. really it's, overcome anything else she could accomplish. It's, it's, a, it's a death spiral, right? Yeah. You, you get angry because you're not getting what you want, and then people start avoiding you, not giving you what you want because you're so angry, mm-hmm. and that makes you more angry, and so on and so forth. It's a very familiar thing. Well, I think there, one of the things that I find interesting about this is that the, like Todd was saying earlier, uh, Venley's path, it's actually kind of similar to Dalinar's, but it's not as interesting because it's not <laughs> new information. Right. Hmm. That is a big piece for me on this. Okay. Because all these things between Venley and Esh and I, we've, in uh, Words of Radiance, uh, we see in the interludes, in these very small snippets, about the sort of people that they are and the decisions they've made. And we've filled in the blanks of these things. And so now we're just getting the filler of the blanks, that, like the yeah. actual that's there. The only... I, I, I'm going to make a very blanket statement and I'm going to end up regretting it. You know, here comes Jafu to, to make me pay for it. <laughs> that the only real new information is the level to which she was manipulated by the... Ulam. By, yes, by Ulam. By Ulam. That's really the only thing new uh, that it, in the process of like, yeah, we've got pretty much everything else, which is why I'm thinking, I feel like I'm re- in a book this long, you're going to make me retread things I read two books ago. Yeah. That's, you know, uh, I, a little, I, little frustrating. I can see that, but I also think that um, it's critical information from the standpoint of helping set up why Venley having a spren, a radiant spren is going to be, is, is turning out to be a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how she was able to avoid being taken over by Odium has less to do with her being smart and Ulam keeping a promise to let her be the last of the singers and more to do with something different about her character. One of the things that we've noticed with all of our radiance for the most part is that they are all deeply flawed human beings. Mm-hmm. Not a single one of them. You know, we talk about honor living in the hearts of men and all of these, uh, you know, all of these things that the radiance are supposed to do. And I look at every one of our primary radiance and they are all supremely flawed human beings. Yeah. And in the case of Venli, a supremely flawed Parshendi. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering if this aspect of being flawed starts to become a critical component of what it takes to be a radiant. So shift let shift the tone from the discussion about the flashback portions into her time in the tower and her time up there as someone who who is supposed to be becoming radiant. How do you feel about her arc of honestly she's just trying to escape yes. like, versus becoming, you know, trying to better yourself or anything like that. This is a different path where it's I don't want to be a part of this. I just want a chance now to get away and take the few people I have and maybe just try and live out as a hermit type group again. One of the things I think is interesting about Venley is that she grew up with the, I want to say the singers, who were the group of people who were able to reject the fused the first time were they, and were they she, listeners before sorry we can get to i can't remember later. who the listeners yeah, are and who the singers are it's so confusing she's the last were, of what she was but she she grew up with these people who you know they created their whole lifestyle based on the fact that they were able to reject the fuse and now here she is living under this rule again right. having to deal with it and like you said she just runs to run away um I just thought that was weird. I think the other, I, I, I think as far as that character arc, one of the things that, that for me, and 
it really only came into focus right now, Ryan, so I appreciate you saying it, is that the moment that she becomes the teller of stories, mm-hmm. she realizes what a monumental error she has made. Mm-hmm. And now she's gone from being an easily manipulated pawn into the manipulator herself of trying to manipulate the situations to get herself out. I would say less manipulator, more opportunist. I don't that. feel like she's I'll manipulating. That. She's right. just kind of watching for an opportunity. But yes, I get what you're saying. Can Can I bring up a lore question? Um, you guys, Todd and Megan, you're a little fresher on the book than I am. Ryan, you just, you know, no more Cosmere stuff than I do. Cosmere stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, we've got some people on our Discord server who probably would, oh, they would murder you in a shame. trivia contest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but that's I would not, like to see that. As they know, that's not why we're here. But anyway, we're going <laughs> to do the best with this one here. I, I do think, I, I just want to point out, I think it's really interesting, and I wonder if there's something to dig into, into here lore-wise, where... We just talked about how um, she, Venley, now is in, in, not in possession of, but has a bond with a a, a Spren. A, an an y- honor Spren. Honor Spren? No. 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 What could, do we know oh. what kind of Spren? Yes, we do. Uh, I just can't remember off the top of my head. Anyway, a regular old, you know, Spren. Not a void Spren. Not a void Spren. That's a what spread. I'm getting at. Yes. Anyway, so so that's, you know, that's an interesting way to... Uh, Ash Spren. An Ash Spren. Thank you. All right. So now we've got an interesting situation with that. Then we've got Renarin, who mm-hmm. is uh, is bonded with a corrupted Spren. Am I getting that right, Ryan? It's not a void Spren. It's a corrupted Spren. Correct. Wait. Renarin. Renarin. Okay. So anyway, I guess what I'm getting at is now we, we pair that with Navani's research and mm-hmm. what she's uh, how she is what she's learning about light about all these different types of light and whatnot and and it's kind of exciting me a little bit where Brandon is taking these uh forms of power the the, the magic system and mm-hmm. he is separating it from the god or force or shard that we want to associate it with and he's making it a little more complicated uh which is hard to follow, but also opening up some really interesting kind of philosophical possibilities with his magic system where it's like, yeah, it's called void spread. That sounds evil. And he's taking it and saying, yeah, maybe, maybe not so much. Open your mind a little bit and see that void spread might not be just like bad guy juice. Yeah. There's, there's also a piece. Or void light. Did I say void spread? Void light isn't bad yeah. guy juice. Sorry. Also there's- correction. Light spread. Light sprint. Thank so you. everyone else is freaking out right now. Like, no, 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 no. it's light sprint. Okay. Timber is a light sprint. Do you know that they they probably didn't hear that because they've been so busy screaming? Screaming, yeah. Yep. Um, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Let the veins sink back into your forehead. Resume listening. What Go a, back. Rewind. Here, yeah, we, point. we lost eighteen <laughs> listeners that day, and and four Patreon subscribers out of, of twenty two. So the uh, one of the things that I started to get uh, inklings of, and I don't know if I, I don't know if the rest of you thought the same thing I did, uh, but I started to feel like we're getting more connection from some of the other uh, from some of the other planets in the Cosmere. Um, I started feeling very much like I was hearing similar things from what I'd heard in Warbreaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, the speaking of tones. Oh okay, so hold on, of, hold on, hold on before we say anything else. Have you read? Warbreaker. Oh yeah. If you haven't, yeah, spoiler maybe, alert. Yeah, heads up. Yeah, okay, this I think our, be a problem. our prior. That's right. That should have scared people off. But yeah. ju- I'll just say it again. Cosmere spoilers. Okay. 
if it's published, it's fair game. Now shut up. <laughs> okay, so as we're talking about the as we're talking about the connections on the Cosmere, one of the things that I remember early on when we were talking about Mistborn, a uh, long time ago, uh, is uh, Craig, you and Ryan saying, "Oh, these are all connected. All of these worlds are connected." And I've been waiting for more solid connections. And in parts three and four of this book, I start to feel like I'm getting them. Um, we're getting more information from Wit. Uh, obviously, we've got Zeth with Nightblood, which is kind of a kick in the pants. Uh, we've also got this this reference to pure tones, the pure tones of Roshar. Oh, we'll get there. Yeah. Which made me remember, oh, wait a minute. This is a reference to the magic system in Warbreaker where it was based on music. It was based on the breath, which gave it to you, but then you heard, uh, you could you have had perfect, perfect pitch. pitch. Your heightening, depending on which heightening you achieved, you would gain certain abilities, including perfect pitch, increase, there's the, increase the ability to separate to colors, colors. things like that. Yeah. So the, the challenge here is, depending on whether you're talking book-specific or cosmic-specific, because the truth is, we're all in the same magic system. It's all part of investiture. It's all part of the larger thing. So mm -hmm. the tones... The pure tones of Roshar, the fact that you could potentially be invested enough to hear them and hear them correctly, that is, it's not so much like that the magic system of Warbreaker is spilling over, it's that it's always been It's connected. always been there, and now we're seeing it. Uh, it the the way that it manifests cool. here, is Just that what like you're trying to say? Yeah, so someone, would, yeah. someone like Hoyd, who has been heightened, going on to Roshar would be able to be more likely to hear and then match tones or things like that with Roshar because of being invested to that level already. Right. Okay. Well, and we've had proof of that because Zyle in part one, I want to say, does fighting with the cloths and uses yes. the breath and so the colors. So much fun. So much fun. Yeah. So we know that that is a thing that blends in. Um, Craig, you had made a comment about how this seems to be Roshar's book, like yeah, Roshar's yeah. kind of the star of this book. And I think that is part of that. For me, that was probably the most value that I got out of Venli and Eshenai's backstory was learning about these characters who are not human. Um, who belong to this world. But belong to this world and how different it is and how everything that grew, like that is of Roshar has some kind of gem heart and the fear that they have that at some point the humans will figure out Oh, we could trap the singers into a gem heart potentially, or their hearts use their hearts somehow. Right. It's it, it is all very terrifying, isn't it? And it, is. it makes me want. It, this is the most value that I got out of the book as mm -hmm. well. I don't have the patience for this book that I know a lot of people do because I prefer yeah. the connection with the characters. Yeah. But this is why I, I mentioned to Ryan in that uh, that preview episode i guess we could call it mm. that um this book might sit on the bottom not not because i dislike it i can it can be my least favorite and i still like it you know um but because i don't connect with the lore the way that some people just love getting into the lore sure yeah and I, that I and that like sort of question like getting into what it means to be from roshar and what the possibilities are with gem yeah. hearts and stuff like it's really really cool if that's your thing. I feel the same way though about Navani's story, the whole thing where she's doing the whole thing with the tones and she's mm -hmm. talking about instruments and she's talking about Fabriels. My brain does not imagine things in that way. <laughs> sure. So it was very frustrating for me to read those sections. They were cool once she figured it out and was explaining to me what the result was, but talking it very specifically about each of the experiments, I was just like, okay, Brandon, you're very smart. I love Move it. on. 
I loved it. Yeah. Okay, so I've I was spending, for Tom. I, yeah, I, I, obviously. Um, I liked the Navani stuff yes. more than the flashback stuff. Um, oh, okay. Okay. It, something about you know the the research, the methodical way that yeah. she goes about discovering it, and thus he goes about explaining it, was more palatable to me. I don't know. For me, both the both the musical aspect because I I not quite as tone deaf as you make me out to sound, uh, <laughs> but also because. I'm I'm involved very much right now in a in a heavy research process myself, and so documenting research, doing all of the nitty gritty of trying to make sure that you've got everything coded correctly and you've written everything down right. I, I'm I'm reading that and I'm like, oh, I feel your pain, Navani. Yes, I understand wanting to make sure you're writing things down and trying to keep everything organized. I I know I'm weird, but right now. That impacts me an awful lot, and so I really enjoyed it. Well, it and how fun. lovely for her when she's never had time to just sit and research. Yes, she is a prisoner, and she is doing research for somebody she doesn't trust and shouldn't be doing, but she actually gets to do something she's wanted to do her whole life, and she finds out that she's good at it. Too good, it turns out, <laughs> but <laughs> this... she's good at it. She actually gets to like live her dream for yeah. a minute. It validates her character flaw that she talks about at the beginning where yeah. she's like, yes. when Gavilar throws at her, and I think we mentioned this that Gavilar throws in her face that you just own scientists. You're just yeah. a patron. You are not actually, you're not worthy of- You're not really a scholar. You're not really these things. And so to give her the opportunity to do that later on is a really nice- oh, Yeah. Very cool. satisfying to read. Yeah. Right? Yeah. One of the other things that's kind of interesting about that though is that this is, while she's doing that, She's also trying to organize a clandestine resistance. This, that part of this felt like it was a, a, a World War II thriller embedded in the middle of this, of this fantasy book. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know if the rest of you guys felt the same way, but when I'm, when I'm reading where she's trying to communicate with Kaladin through the, through, uh, the, through sibling. the sibling and the lines of quartz that are running through and trying to find a couple of other people that will be, that will be Confederates with her as she's trying to work all of these pieces to pull, to pull them together. I, I, I kept, I kept feeling like I was watching, um, do you remember the great escape? I was you just about to movie. say that. One. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, where, where they're, you know, the, tugging on lines and you know waiting for things to the, the spurt it, it felt very much like the the same kind of adrenaline rush of oh are they gonna is he gonna be able to pull this off oh he got away okay we're gonna be all right for a little while longer it was really quite cool now you're you're bringing up a movie reference that i think is a great one but it's not the only one okay no we've already mentioned this last time but lammy lambs on discord asked uh you know uh sections three and four question how great is die hard yeah. Now, we talked about this last That's time. So I don't want to. I don't want to rehash all the jokes again. But, the vents. but I'm happy to bring it up again because since we last met, Ryan has now seen Die Hard for the first time. I have. Oh. I finally saw it, and uh, can can and, now back up my claims when I when I make stuff when I talk about it. So. And so, I and I have now seen it because I watched it last week. So I've seen it for the 38th time. So Ryan, how did it go? How was Die Hard? We, was, we are making a digression to talk about Die Hard. <laughs> it is everything that it was made out to be, and I understand better why people consider it to be a Christmas movie. yippee ki <laughs> Yeah, That just makes me happy. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so, uh, and now you understand why the the parallels are being drawn with Rhythm of War. So, yes. Ryan, how was the uh, Die Hard storyline in Rhythm of War for you? How are, how are you liking it in 3 and 4? So, in this one... It, the Die Hard storyline is Kaladin's Kaladin storyline, because uh, mm. otherwise you have to make Navani like the sergeant, but the sergeant would be captured by 
<laughs> right. It doesn't quite. It, it falls apart when you really start putting it too hard. Yeah, no, no. Just let it be awesome, okay? But the Kaladin storyline of being hiding in the tower, trying to to take out the bad guys and uh, and free people and figure out and save uh, people he cares save about, Teft. Teft and everything. Um, it's really, really fun to watch Kaladin adjust. And in the first part of the book, the first thing that we do that, and I said that it frustrated me was, we take we knock Kaladin's legs out from under him, and it's like mm-hmm. uh, because of your battle fatigue, because of your PTSD, because of whatever uh, Todd you want to put it, yeah. you are no longer High Marshal. We're going to promote you to, into something else, and so to put him back in this situation where he's now protecting, but having to do it while dealing with uh, these issues, where he's still freezing up, he's still locking up, he's having to do all that. Uh, it adds a new level. It's a, a level for Kaladin that I didn't expect. Yeah. Um, to be able to watch him have to protect people and battle himself in that way. Um, I, you kind of expect, to, you're, you're used to the, the arc of the hero just being, he just keeps kind of getting better and better, maybe getting a little sad about it and then getting better and better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm awesome. I'm, I'm not happy about it. Is there, this thought just occurred to me. Um, and so I have not thought this through and I'm not ready to defend this to the death or anything, but Kaladin's storyline, we've acknowledged how heart wrenching it is and you know, how familiar it is, this idea of PTSD or whatever it's being called these days. And it it occurs to me that it only becomes an issue once, like once Dalinar kind of identifies it or maybe that's not true i don't know it, it kind becomes of feels more like recognizable it, in it his came path. out of nowhere a little bit so in oathbringer we got just a little bit of it when he didn't freeze up so much as he was shocked um by the battle shock that's what he calls it yeah battle shock. when when uh, the the king gets killed in oathbringer and so that that kind of triggers it but then we don't see it and he apparently went on fighting for a year and then suddenly it became a problem once Dalinar kind of said, you know what, you have this problem. And it's like, oh my gosh, I do have this problem. And I, I didn't really see... Well, the problem, the, the I didn't problem see gets it exacerbated. The we problem didn't. gets exacerbated because Dalinar immediately benches Kaladin and he doesn't give him a way to work through it. He just says, hey, I'm going to bench you. Think about what you want to do. And, Cal- and Kaladin's just like, I don't know. I don't know if any of you have ever lost a job. But it's like, you lose yeah. your job, you lose your identity, you don't know what to do for yeah. a while. and then, But you're immediately like, but I have to pay the bills, so I have to get another job. Do I go back to the job, like the kind of job I had before? Did I like that job? Do I, is this the time to try something new? But am I qualified for that? Like there, there's so many things that make you freeze up. And I think that's really where Kaladin, like where that problem happened. And so when he starts working with his dad and he kind of has this purpose, and then he has this fight with his dad and he has to go off again. But the the tower is now under siege like he's again still he's like okay i know how to do this but also i'm not supposed to do this can i do this i like he has all of this doubt because now he's just gone back and forth so many times he doesn't he's like he's locked up and i can totally understand that well and the other thing is we don't necessarily we don't see it develop in the it it, it's between the pages or between the between the between the books that that we get it, we get inklings that this has happened before. Uh, they make mention of the fact that this is just like what happened three weeks ago. Oh, when blah 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 blah. Okay. And yeah. so they 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 hint at this, and, and again, this is one of the things that I think illustrates this idea of of the radiance having something about them that needs to be flawed. Kaladin Kaladin has always 
struggle to measure up to and find a way to fit in with his father's ideology. When Dalinar becomes the father figure, again, he struggles to fit in. He can't move past it in quite the same way that Dalinar obviously did. Now, the way that Dalinar moves past it is, you know, Part not necessarily magic. healthy. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, lots of other things that go along with that. Uh, Teft with the with the fire moss and, mm. you know, getting past it. There, there's some illustrations of a lot of ways that people have handled that. None of them have necessarily been good. But with Kaladin, the need to confront the problem, the need to confront the flaw is what becomes so such a driving force for him. And this is a flaw that is not outside. It's not caused by anybody else. It's completely inside himself. And to fight it alone, we get we get some indications that he, when he's working with the other Battleshock victims mm-hmm. that were in the monastery uh, earlier in the book, that that there was some improvement. And even he was making improvement because they were able to do it together. Kaladin seems to do his best work when he's working with others, when he's alone. It, it gets really, really ugly he for does, him and for everyone else. He does come to a little bit of a breakthrough, though, at one point talking with Syl, yeah. where she says the same thing. And she's like, people say that Spren can't change, but I think they can. Please don't tell me that I can't change. And, yeah. you know, it just I'm starting to feel how you feel. And it makes me sad, but it also makes me glad that I can understand. So when you feel this way, please talk to me. And, and Kaladin realizes that he has someone that he could like. He doesn't want to put his problems on Syl. But he does need to talk to someone, and she understands and wants to hear it. And isn't it interesting that while Syl is trying to tell Kaladin that, mm-hmm. Adolin is in Shadesmar trying to tell all of the Honor Spren the exact same thing. You claim to be changeless, yeah. but I'm telling you now, you have changed. You claim to be full of honor, but I'm telling you right now, you are not full. It's really fascinating that this picture that has been created of the unchanging nature of Spren, the the predictable nature of Spren is challenged both by Spren and by Adolin in the midst of all of this. Yeah. I absolutely adore that conversation because I, uh, I was listening back through it the other, uh, uh, just a little bit earlier today when he's talking to Syl mm-hmm. and Syl says, because I choose, I can change that yeah. whole concept. Yeah. Oh, the, really wonderful part. That that conversation and the Taravangian Dalinar conversation uh, at the beginning of parts a part four. Yes. You can just go back and just go through some philosophy in both of those uh, about the power of, of choice and what it means, uh, choice versus destiny and things like that. Cause she talks about it. I, I didn't come find you because I was just destined to do that as a sprint right. because I chose to. And what Dalinar gave me back when I went to talk to him about it was the reminder that I have, uh, you know, this old connection that I'm choosing this. And so that gives me power. And I was like, Oh, that's, I love that conversation. So good. You know, you you bring up the you bring up the conversation between Dalinar and Teravangian. Mm-hmm. And it really that one of the one of the quotes that uh Teravangian pulls out, and I think I highlight it. Um no, maybe I didn't. Uh but where he where he says, You you sound like old Tanavast. You really are a child of honor. Mm-hmm. And this idea that the the conversation that they have where Teravangian is trying to say, no, you would have done exactly as I would have done in this situation. And Dalinar's like, no, you're a murderer. You're a, you are all kinds of evil 
that you have done, and you did it to save a small portion of humanity, not considering all of the rest and not considering the opportunity that you had to help the rest of us be better. You, I, I, I would love to have been a fly on the wall to be able to, or a Kremlin in the corner, to <laughs> have sat and watched this conversation. And because I, in, in my mind, I see Dalinar holding back, just ripping into him because he's presented now as a frail, weak, sentimental, and mostly stupid old man. Mm-hmm. He's no longer the conniving Taravangian, or at least that's not how he's being presented, that used to exist. And so <laughs> Dalinar restrains being really brutal with him. And then he walks out and Zeth is like, you shouldn't have done that. Speaking of uh, <laughs> speaking of restraint, Ryan, how much fun are you having right now? <laughs> so not saying wait until part I'm five. Ju- I, I'm just... I wasn't sure if you guys did have actually it's, finished it's, the book been already. There like eight things already that they've said. I've been like, oh, just wait until I have not five. finished. I have I'm, not read book five. I'm I haven't started confess, it. I'm going to I'm partway through part five. Okay. So yeah. I'm already aware. Okay. Well, yeah. I have all kinds of predictions that will all be wrong, but I have predictions. If can't you can't make it. In true Sanderson actually, fashion, you know, it doesn't matter. Everything you think will change in the last 75 pages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, speaking of predictions, let's go ahead and do a few of those. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, don't worry, we'll come back to the other stuff. But I'm I like, have are we a, done? I know I have a comment that I want to get to, um, and that leads me to a prediction of my own. But Megan, I'd like to hear yours first. One of yours. Oh, I have. Oh, just one of them. Mm. What's your best one? The one that is most likely to come true. Uh, I I feel like somebody is going to bond with the sibling. I mm. want to say Dabid. I feel like it's going to be. But Dabid. there there was a conversation okay. about Relaine and the sibling. I think at one point. But I, I kind of, I, in my mind, I'm like, I kind of want Dabit to bond with the siblings. Is this the kind of world where bonding with your siblings is tolerated? Is okay. It's okay. okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got a good look at Orion, at least. Oh, gosh. I know, but I, I just Ryan's have like, this... why is he still on this show? <laughs> <laughs> I have this niggling feeling that since this is the fourth out of five books in this, what is it called? The cycle. cycle. Pentology. Yeah. Um that uh that it's gonna be like Avengers Infinity War and just end really, really badly. And so the next book has to like fix it all. Mm. And I'm just okay. afraid that the spren will Time travel. Time travel. <laughs> oh, but I'm like the sibling is either going to be released or killed. And there then we go. And then I just Ken quits the show. Ken's, yeah. Ken's like the Cosmere went time travel. I'm out of here. <laughs> never coming back. He might be. He might be. We might we might keep him only on the blue team. He'll never come back to a Sanderson book. Uh okay. So I've got a prediction for you, but I'm going to start by reading a question. Another question from, or no, sorry, this is a different person. This is Solid Duck. I, I, is that supposed to be Solid Duck? But there's only one D. Solid Duck says, uh, what are some songs that you feel are good examples of the rhythms described in the book? Oh. So do we, it, now, if you have any examples, you know, please shout them out. That's fine. But the idea of a pure tone, let's talk about what a pure tone is. A pure tone, there are a couple different types. There's like the actual real pure tone, and I can play one for you right now. So that was that was a pure tone. Um, it's just a... Incredible that you did that with just your nose hairs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little weirded out, but wow. Yeah, no, it's so every time you hear something bleeped out on this show or any other show, it's generally somebody's playing a pure sine wave. It's just a pure tone of whatever frequency. Um, and so that's what that is. There's also pure tones that are used in, uh, is it 
is it audiology mm-hmm. to test somebody's hearing? Yes. Oh, and so yes. they have progressive pure tones, and that's how you figure out what frequency somebody's hearing no longer functions at, you know, whatever. Anyway, so that's what pure tones are. It is a, a literally a single note, a perfect sine wave, you know, generally. Anyway, it could be other, other kinds of waves, I suppose. But anyway, point being, here's my, um, my prediction. We have 16 shards of, what's it called? Adenalsium. Adenalsium. And each of those shards has its own perfect tone. Adenalsium is not a person. It's not an object or an entity. It's a chord. Ooh. Adenalsium is a chord. And so similar to the music of the Ainur in the beginning of the Silmarillion, which Ryan knows all about now, music yes. is the power of creation. And if you can create the literal perfect chord using all 16 perfect tones or pure tones of these shards, then you have uh, you have obtained the power of creation. There you go. How's that, Ryan? I like that. It really puts the shattering of Adenalsium in kind of an interesting light because... It's this perfect chord, like, did they run up and kick a barbershop quartet in the junk and, like, <laughs> broke the chord and everyone ran away with one of the guys? Like, yeah, I don't know. But, uh, took the tenor to Scadrial and ran he, off with the bear. <laughs> he got old, and, you know, the, vibra- the vibrato now is no longer working the way that it used to. So, you know, your overtones aren't setting up correctly. You don't Honestly, it's, it's probably, uh, it's probably uh, if I were to actually put money on this, uh, this prediction, it would be that that is part of it. Yeah. But that there are also perfect color tones and that there are perfect um, elemental tones, you know, for getting into Mistborn stuff or whatever, that there are, there are there are these elements of perfection all throughout the senses Interesting. that that all kind of come together. I would tie I would to hop onto that prediction a little bit. I would say that the pure tones of each shard would be what you would need to do to draw them together. To reconnect oh, them. Okay. Oh, the way like that they're pulling yeah, yeah. stormlight like and everything else. That's I think that's more where I would see that going. There's also the this idea of the the purity of intent. Mm-hmm. So when you have something like odium or like uh, uh, honor or whatever is on Scadrial, um, ruin and preservation, like these perfect intents. Mm-hmm. So that you know this idea of uh, of of a, of, of a purely distilled fill in the blank. Yeah. Whatever it is, sound, music, color, or whatever. And that your intent to create it is what allows it to be created in the first place. Maybe, maybe. Because that's one of the things that we learn is that Navani has to have intent when she's trying to create void light. Uh, by the way, I want to respond to your question. Two songs, they're both Jim Croce songs. Uh, of course they are, Todd. Uh, N- nice hat, by the way. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, operator for the tone of the lost. <laughs> okay. And uh, don't mess around with Slim for the tone of conceit, <laughs> or for the rhythm of conceit. Uh, okay. So there sure. you go. Play with those. I, See, and I meant I went immediately off on the rails, like crazy world styling, like either Kulning in uh, in uh, the Norse countries and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or going like the two and throating the like if Frozen Two played the soundtrack with a tube and throat singing, you would have what we have ha- happening here. That's that's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. I would Boy- rather listen to that than Jim Croce. <laughs> Sorry, Todd. Wow. I know. Oh my goodness. You don't I've... like time in a bottle? Yeah. Okay. Time in the bottle. We're not playing with. But operator and operator and Joe Ramos Slim. I'll take them. Those are great. Oh I don't gosh. mind that one. You're gonna have to put Todd, links to those. I, I do just want to. I want to make sure everybody's listening. 
You're so old. Thanks, man. Thanks. I've I've worked hard for these gray hairs. That that being said, I I do love Jim Croce, so that's fine. <laughs> you uh, understand. No, there it's actually I have in the back of my mind, I have this idea of I kind of want to create a book. Um, you know, maybe a short book of uh, collection. You know, I guess these days it would just be a giant blog post or something, but the uh the chords in pop music, eh, well, I yeah. guess and all music really, the chords that you need to hear yeah um there are and i'm not gonna tell you what they are now because it would take us off on a tangent but i do love this idea of the pure tones and combining them and and the using that intent and and the pure rhythms the the rhythms and tones um they talk about those two things that and and they are different this the listeners could hear the rhythms mm-hmm. and they can hear the old rhythms and the new rhythms but the humans don't hear the rhythms. They don't hear the tones. There's there's something really interesting about the and in most of most of the Cosmere, there are two forces at work for the magic systems, at least two forces at work. And in this one, it seems like rhythm and tone. And then you involve in the spren. We've got this this combination of these of these three forces um, sound look like they will bear some kind of connection as we get farther and farther. That's that's my prediction, is that yeah. we're going to find that there is something about uh, the musicality of that, the rhythm, the tone uh, in, involved with Spren that, that becomes important along the way. Okay. So we've spent a lot of time on, uh, you know, the, the physical plane of existence on Roshar. Let's go to the cognitive realm, uh, go to Shadesmar, because there's a lot happening there. Oh, we haven't really man. talked about it at this point. So Lammy Lambs did ask, did the abrupt lack of ending to the lasting integrity pl- plot bother you at all? And maybe we can hold this in our back pockets for a second and work our way toward that ending. Um, Todd, do you want to give us a recap of uh, real quick what actually happens there? I know Ken mentioned sure. it, but I didn't listen to that, so it doesn't count for me uh, right now. Yeah, real quick recap. Adolin <laughs> comes in and he says, you know, try me as a try me to to let me demonstrate that honor still exists with humans. And they twist that and they say, well, no, we're going to hold you on trial for the entire recreants and we're going to hold you guilty. We're going to we're going to hold you well guilty for all of the crimes of mankind throughout history. And he gets an opportunity to have a trial, convinces him that's okay. Shalon goes in with him. Of course, Shalon is trying to find um, I can't remember the name of the guy. Restar. uh, Restar. And kill him. So she's got her little clandestine operation going while Adolin's preparing for his trial. It's going to be a witness trial. They're going to call some witnesses. They call some really interesting witnesses. One of them a cryptic that was recently made into a dead eye 10 years ago, which is critical for us to find out about later. Uh, another one, his own honor blade is called as, or his own shard blade is called as a witness. And they go through this entire trial. And of course, the the cool thing for me in that whole deal was that Maya, the dead eye that everybody says, no, you, you, you dead eyes, her. dead eyes are dead. They are, they are no longer alive. There's nothing going on. She comes, she's brought in as a witness and just everybody in the, everybody that's watching gets riled up until Maya says, we chose. Well, Adolin infuses his spirit like he does something that like he gives her his spirit and his energy because he can see that she is exhausted. So scared, so overwhelmed and so scared. And she makes sure that everyone understands that. And and part of it was Adolin getting upset for her. Mm -hmm. 
at how she was being treated because they were saying you can't possibly be a friend. She's just a thing to you. She's not a she's not even a real uh, a real spren. You can't have a relationship yeah. with a thing. And the honor spren kept telling the uh, the crowd, "She look, she is terrified because of him. She, she's terrified of him because yeah. of everything that he does to her and using it against Aelin because she wasn't able to speak for herself. And then when she can, it shuts everybody up and they all leave and Adolin is left and... Well, and they understand at that point, they understand that the Spren who died during the Recreants made that choice to... The yet. way she phrases it is very important because it's a mirror... Not a mirror, but a very similar to Dalinar's moment in Oathbringer. You cannot have my sacrifice. Yeah. Yes. She takes it back. And then one of the things that really stands out about this section, you all know how much I love a trial uh, in a book. Um, <laughs> he, he, he said sarcastically, by the yeah. way. Okay. All right. Um, but one of my favorite things about this sequence is in every trial situation, I look at him like, okay, we have two outcomes. They're either going to find him guilty or not guilty. And then we have to deal with the, the fallout here. And in this situation, the, he kind of sets up that there's an alternate path out like, oh, well, Shalon can go kill the judge mm -hmm. and take his place. And like, oh, so now we're going to play that, you know, ethical, whatever. But then we get to the trial and all the dead eyes gather outside of the, the building. Yeah. And it's kind of this side thing that, that it's mentioned, but it's a ton of focus isn't given to it. But the fact that all of these dead eyes in Shadesmar knew this trial was going to happen and wanted the opportunity to say or to protect the choice that they made to to validate this is very telling to me. Yeah. And part of the reason why I think there isn't quite as much of a resolution, there's not a clear, all right, well, the honor spren are coming back or things like that is because the the world of the spren just got turned upside down by all of the... Yes. All the dead eyes. Yeah. Well, yes. and it was... They were already in crisis because a lot of the older spren were like, no, no, we're not going to go bond with the right. But some of the youngers wanted to yeah, mm -hmm. and were considering it. And so all this happens. I like the way Adolin puts it. He says, you knew what was going to happen when the Radiants broke their oaths. They didn't murder you. You decided together. All this time, everyone assumed you were victims. We didn't accept that you were partners with the Radiants. And she says, we chose, we chose. The other thing that happens in this too, and and that's that's the trial, that's what's going on over in Shadesmar on one level, but on the other level, we have Shalon, who is becoming increasingly brittle, and uh, that's a good way to put it. I was going to say fractured, but it's because of her brittleness. That's yeah, a yeah. great yeah. great word choice, Todd. Thank you. Um, she. She figures into this in a, in a way that I didn't see coming. Uh, when she, when she decides, okay, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go and kill Ristaris, uh, even though we now know that he's one of the heralds mm -hmm. that is hiding, so that he can avoid having being taken back to Braze. Kelek or Kel yeah, um, Kelek, and and before she can do that she gets a moment of the a moment of clarity where she can finally remember and um i've i found the some of the quotes for that and i'm not going to be able to find them quickly i apologize um but when the the 
the story that was going on with that was really fascinating to me uh, with, with my psych background and reading about uh, psych people who have psychotic breaks and, and who are schizophrenic and struggling with multiple personality disorder and different kinds of situations. This was uh, a very interesting presentation. When she, when Shalon allows formless out and Vale stops her from killing Kalek by manifesting as a separate personality, uh, full full light weaving and being able to have a conversation with herself. And the moment where she says, who is the strongest woman? The one whose thoughts and emotions are always under her control or the one whose thoughts and emotions are betraying her at every turn. That is strength. And this moment when Shalon says, but I'm not strong enough. And Vale says, yes, you are. But then she has to confront what she did, which was break her oath to her first cryptic spren. That connection for me in the, when I read that, uh, was having a bad day anyway. Uh, I seem to have more bad days when I read these books, so yeah. maybe I need to stop <laughs> reading them. Uh, and and they were about my uh, daughter who's still struggling with some pretty heavy stuff. And uh, I uh, I did a Robert Downey Jr. and I drove to Burger King and I got a I got a burger and I was driving home listening to it and then pulled over to the side of the road and just sobbed because. This moment where she says, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to do that. Everybody knows. Everybody, everybody, her, her personality and, um, uh. Radiant. Not radiant. Um, Formless. Uh, spren. Pattern. Pattern. Thank you. Um, they all know. And they're, they, they get it. Well, and I don't know if Wit knows but pattern says wit has a message for you and that's it's that we all love you yes right here it's you must know what wit said pattern replied he is so wise he seems to like you and hate everyone else haha he made fun of me it was very funny i am like a chicken haha he said to tell you that we trust you and love you he said i should tell you that you deserve trust and love and you do i'm sorry i've been lying for a very long time i'm so sorry i didn't think you could handle it this opportunity for Shalon connects to the trial because that's the cryptic that was mm -hmm. brought in, right? Mm -hmm. I agree with the fact that all of this, all and all of this happens, and then and it just ends. Let's go back to Roshar, and I think we have. She's not done dealing with the ramifications of that because she has no. to tell Adolin. Yeah, she has to make everybody else know but again this this moment of clarity of recognition of the flaw that she carries and that in spite of that flaw or perhaps because of it that makes her worthy i find that beautiful and when she's able to confront it and recognize it it makes her whole again 
and she no longer has to be split into she the three to, separate yeah. personalities. And I am so relieved. Me too. Me too. <laughs> it was very exhausting to read. Well, I'm I'm glad you were all able to join us for this blue team episode of the Legendarium Podcast. <laughs> 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 Sorry, it's the uh, it's the hallmark of uh, of any good blue team episode. <laughs> No, that's uh, I, Todd. I, I really appreciate that. That's, those good thoughts. I, Thank you. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, I, I'm not going to drag us back down and do it too much, but if you look at Shalon's thing that she has had to deal with in every conversation she's had with Wit beforehand, it's always been about uh, her understanding that she has value. Yes. Uh, you, oh man, the conversation back in is it Oathbringer between her yes, and Wit. The the. The girl, girl who, girl stood, who stood, up. stood up. Yeah. That whole conversation, uh, accept the pain, but don't accept that you deserve it. And her whole thing consistently coming back to the point that if anyone knows the truth, they'll leave me. I'm not worth it. Mm -hmm. And that is a very relatable pain that a lot of people can deal with. The if you you know, whether it be something like imposter syndrome about working with her, the, the moment that you re you feel like if anyone figures out the truth about me, I'm not worth what they think I'm worth. And if you battle with that, it's a daily battle. It's a daily battle to deal with it. And some people, in order to cope with it, going to that distance with, like with Shalon, where it's a full uh, break of, I need people to protect me. And so I create Veil, I create Radiant, and then I create Formless. But Formless is just the way that I view myself. That's yeah. what's hard. That For me, I was really nervous. And I think I mentioned this when I, we first saw Formless. I'm like, don't add another personality to this. Yeah. It's already hard enough to follow. But to realize that formless is how she sees herself. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's devastating. It's, oh, yeah. I, I will say this on Shalon's storyline. I uh, Unlike Todd, I'm, I'm not a crier, but I do sometimes well. I'm a weller more than a crier, <laughs> right? Um, and when I read Oathbringer for the first time, I was very frustrated by Shalon's storyline, especially after what we'd gotten in the first two books and how much I loved her storyline. Uh, and then I read Oathbringer. I was very dissatisfied because, yeah, it's tough to follow and I wasn't connecting with her issues in the way that I had before, et cetera, et cetera. And then in preparation for Rhythm of War, so last year in 2020, I reread Oathbringer and boy, was there some welling going on. <laughs> during those conversations especially with wit and and a couple other places with shallan where i was able to connect with her storyline in a way that i hadn't before all that in preparation to say that i did not care for reading shallan's storyline in rhythm of war yeah agreed i didn't i didn't connect with her it was even more confusing than it had been before and now you add on the the uh, private detective layer you got to figure out who the mole is and all this sort of stuff uh and so I say all this to say that I'm excited to go back and read it again at some point. I At this point, I'm pretty storm-lighted out. I get it. So I'm not going to be rereading it soon, uh, but I absolutely will reread it before book five comes out. So that's it's going to happen. And I wonder if I'm going to connect with her more because the way that you guys are talking about her, st her storyline, I recognized all of those potential emotions somewhere in the story i just wasn't getting through to them or they weren't getting through to me one of the two yeah and i wonder if a reread will finally have me feeling the the way that you guys are talking maybe. about it maybe the i think the question going forward here because all the, i think all these all these criticisms all these thoughts about shallan storyline in these two books is uh are valid and it really feels like 
the, her arc with these personalities is half in Oathbringer, half in Rhythm of War. And so some of the frustration is not having the completion in mm -hmm. the first one. Maybe. Uh, the question is, okay, what do you do now? With yeah, her? where does she go from here? She's been, she's been brought back together. She's come to terms. She's given us her, her uh, I don't know if it's her ultimate lie, ultimate truth or whatever it is, where she'd already killed one Spren. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Where does she have left to go? Yeah. I, I have theories that are going to wait until part five. I, yeah. I, but I, I, I believe I, I, I have a good guess. Okay. Uh, about what Shalon is going to do in book five. Okay. I, I, I have some, I have some inclinations, but I'm not sure. Hey, I wanted to talk about, um, I wanted to talk about two characters that, that did not get an awful lot of time in page count. But that oh, I was going to say, there's a lot of characters that didn't get a lot of time on this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Um, Dabid and Teft. Oh boy, okay. Well, Teft is unconscious for a good chunk of it, so yeah. <laughs> which is a reason why he doesn't get very many pages uh, and very much and very much conversation. But when Teft comes out of it, I have to admit, I felt for the first time that I related way more to Teft than than I thought I ever would. When he talks about, uh, when, when, uh, and what, what the audience can't see is the needle currently <laughs> in Todd's arm. Okay. Starting to, starting to make sure that Todd will still be able to speak. Uh, when, when we, when we see Teft realizing that he, he's, uh, the, the phrase that he gets at the end with his spren is that he is worth saving. And that he was there for Kaladin when Kaladin needed him, mm -hmm. that he was able to help Kaladin do all the things that he needed to look, that his, his life not only had purpose and value, but he himself is worth saving. And he said, maybe that's good enough today. And I, and I thought to myself, doggone, I get that. I relate to that. And I, and with this, with this key group of, of, Bridge four survivors. I, I, Teft was always the one that was kind of on the side. And I thought, I'm not sure I get Teft. And after that moment, I was like, no, you know what? I do get Teft. No, I, I, I totally disagree. Just on a personal experience level where Teft, I think might be the best tier two character that Brandon has ever created. Uh, I love Teft. I, and his storyline. I, I've loved it. But I also love Dabbids. Mm. Oh, the revelation on Dabbid is right? when, oh, amazing. When we when we get that moment where we find out what's really been going on, I was uh, I was on a walk in my neighborhood, and I had people walking up to me saying, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" <laughs> I'm like, "Shut up! I'm just listening to Stormlight Archive." And they were like, "One person is one person is reading the book, and he goes, where are you at?'" I told him, and he goes, "I'll leave you alone." <laughs> <laughs> but the the at the very end of that chapter, after you know, Dabit helps make sure that we get lift out and we get we get Kaladin back and we get uh, we get Teft back. When it says Dabit wasn't radiant, he wasn't brave, he wasn't smart, but today he hadn't been stupid either. Once Kaladin had pulled Dabit out of damnation itself, it felt good to return that act of heroism with a small one of his own. I sometimes feel like I'm surrounded by really, really good people doing really, really impressive and interesting things. And then you come do the podcast. And I I feel like dabbing uh, so often in so many different situations in my life. And so I read that and I was like, 
And as much as I feel like I relate to Teft, I relate to Dabid sometimes too. I don't know if that's the genius that Brandon has about constructing some of these characters and putting just enough humanity into all of them that they that they resonate with us at different points in our lives, or if it's just because I'm such uh, an, an empathic or pathetic individual that I wind up relating to these people when they're in those difficult places. But whatever it is, I I appreciate that. I appreciate the masterful storytelling that allows me to do that. But I also appreciate the fact that these side characters wind up serving some really important moments. And I think it helps me remember that when I feel like I'm surrounded by giants and really intelligent and wonderful people doing really magnificent things, that helping out along the way can be just as valuable at different times. It's just a really cool deal for me. Yeah. Ryan, you look uh, like you're deep in thought here. We're about ready to wrap up, but what else you got? Well, I was, sorry, I was following the Teft line. Uh, Ken asked last time about why why Kaladin and uh, when Teft were, why Teft went under, but Kaladin didn't. Mm, so yeah, was, yeah, and yeah. This, um, Teft, when he wakes up this time, his initial responses show that he has grown to the point now where he is now, where Kaladin is. Mm-hmm. Um, just in his responses, mm-hmm. there's a few things that he says. A few things. Um, uh, then he'd seen Dabin and Relaine when he saw their joy more in more hurted in Relaine's case. Teft knew that he couldn't truly hate himself. This was where the oaths had brought him. His self-loathing was day by day fading away. Sometimes it surged again, but he was stronger than it was. Um, the others loved him, so whatever he'd done, he would get up and make it right. Then he jumps and talks about having, uh, it's been seven months, but damnation, seven months. That was the longest he'd gone without touching the, uh, the stuff since Wilson's joining the army. 30 years. Never count those years, Teft, he told himself, as Dabid brought him some soup. Count the ones you've been with friends. And in just three paragraphs, we see Teft now fully radiant. Like fully understanding yep. the concept, and I'm like, oh, love it! I love yes. it, love it so much. He really does these moments quite well, doesn't that uh, that Brandon character? Mm-hmm. He's he's he does a pretty good job. Yeah, I think he's um, got a future as an author. I hate that guy. You want to jump to a totally not connected to this point? Just yeah, talk for just a second. Um, this book, a lot of people really wanted um, Queen Yasna. And what she was going to be at the end of both periods, they're like, oh, we have Queen Yasna. I cannot wait to see what Queen Yasna does. Yeah. And Queen Yasna is like this much of the book. And, you know, in podcast terms, I'm holding my finger and thumb just slightly apart. <laughs> it's, it's about three centimeters for those of you that are using the metric system or about. Yeah, right. That long? No, no <laughs> not that much. No. So, um, but she does have a few really interesting sequences in oh, this. Oh, oh, oh. Harsher uh, wit. That's a that's a whole meme on Twitter now. Harsher wit. Harsher wit. Yeah. Is it really? Oh yeah. Okay. That's all over the place. I the thing is, I her sequences are few and far between in this, but they're still quite good. The the dual sequence where she sends wit after the oh the yeah, print. so cool, fantastic sequence. Her going to battle, actually going out and saying, "I need to know what it's like to be a soldier," and going out and coming to terms with, you know what. I'm not a soldier. I'm gonna just go ahead and burn everybody with my powers. Yeah. <laughs> like. Uh, for her, for a character so intelligent and so powerful and so high up in the rankings, already a fourth, uh, fourth tier, fourth ideal, fourth ideal, uh, radiant. How do you make a character like that grow? And it's by putting her in op- in situations where she's not the expert. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, right. yeah. This, sorry, this is going back to 
everybody's complaint about Elantris and why I still love Elantris. Yes, Rayodin is a great guy from beginning to end. It's all about putting him in situations to make his way through. And yeah. Anyway, sorry, yeah. go on. No, that that's my key point. Yeah, okay. Yasna, uh, for us to enjoy and follow her, and I know that she is a key element in the back half of these 10 books. Um, so she has a little bit of plot armor. So how do you develop her and put her Plus, in position? Plus, also armor. Yes, literal armor. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Um, but how do you develop her and, and take her somewhere so that we want to follow her even more? So um, we learn a little bit more about her personally, which allows for more connections, but it's also her connections to it's the it's the I am not a murderer, uh, a murderous who yeah, battle warlord type person. You know, I I appreciated getting that side of her. I am excited to see her more. She's not what a character that I genuine that I'm generally like super excited about. Um I still, I think she's a very well-written character. I like her a lot, but she's also a character that I, I kind of go, I'm also, I wouldn't do well in a room with you. Yeah. I would not. You would look at me and go, you're beneath me. Oh man. I like a conversation, having dinner with Yasna might be on my list of like impossible things that I nevertheless want to happen. Like that would just be the best conversation ever. I love Yasna so much. Political theory is right up both of your alleys. <laughs> and I I found a lot of the conversations between her and Wit and Dalinar very interesting as they talk about the ramifications of power. How why do we have divided power? Are we comfortable putting absolute power into one person? Some of the some of the kinds of pieces that she that she and Wit and Dalinar talk about are really interesting. And yet, and then we throw in these little these little barbs where Dalinar says, no, I'm not going to talk anymore because every time I do, all you do is pick up stones and throw them at me. Yeah, and Wynn yeah. says, oh, and you were supposed to be the stupid one. Uh, I I just, it, so much fun that you have all this heavy stuff and then, oop, okay, no, we're going to throw in some levity again. There we go. <laughs> and we also get the revelation that she and Wit are sleeping together. Yep. For, revelation? Come on. For... I, utilitarian purposes as far as i can tell he as presents from her perspective I'm right sorry this is new he, information did i miss something or does this happen in part five no nah, like, you no, it was you in part it. four i think you missed oh, it i missed it yeah they're, they're sorry so okay there have been lots of uh lots you don't of theories have to about it for me no 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 i'm not there's okay, lots good. of theories about uh <laughs> is yasna gay or is yasna in this case i think he presents her as asexual yeah just doesn't care like yeah sure i'll, I'll do it yeah that it, she likes the I've, wine and not the label. <laughs> sure, there you go. Okay. <laughs> I've never heard uh, it described that way before. Uh, something like uh, that. Actually, she's not even really a drinker, but she'll drink with her friends is more like... Uh, there you go. It's more <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so... Now, that one I've heard. But yeah. there's, but he, he kind of throws that in there, and it felt a little bit like, okay, everybody's been asking about this. I'll put this in there. And I wonder if it's going to pay off later, if there's, if there's going to be more to this, or if this is the kind of thing where he just says, you know what? Yasna's character, for Yasna's character, sex is not something that she thinks about, worries about, is consumed by the, the way that a lot of people are. And, okay, now we can move on and she can actually do the things that are important to her and you can stop asking me about this. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I can see a little bit of that, but I, I think of it also on the flip side. A lot of people are really focused on that aspect of her sexuality. Right. But I want to flip it and look at the relationship and it's less about the sexuality and what her preferences are, but who it is that she's connected to and what that means for her potential. Right. Mm -hmm. Hoyd, yes. Wit, 
Mm-hmm. Not someone who you think just kind of dilly dallies with anybody. Mm-hmm. Like that's not who. Just, By the way, uh, dilly dally. If you <laughs> never mind. Okay, sorry, Ryan. Go on. I had a dilly dally joke, but it was inappropriate for this podcast. Okay. <laughs> the fact that she is in a romantic relationship with someone on the tier of Hoyd. Yeah. Says that she he sees her closer to an equal, which is not something he has seen with any other character that we've seen him interact. Correct. With, which means. Maybe she is on that same level as the people who broke at Analsium. Maybe she's the sort of person who can be taken to that tier where we're in the Dragonsteel series and she is able to understand the larger picture. That to me, the relationship portion between her and Wit, that's what that tells me about Yasna. Yeah, yeah. She's not a she's not a player. She is above the game. And all the rest of the all the rest of these people, they're on Roshar, they're they're embroiled in Roshar. But Yasna is very clearly above the game that is being played here. She's part of it, but she's above it in the same way that Wit is. Oh, stop it, Craig. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so excited. Uh, I'm excited. I'm going to go home and read some more. Finally. Are we at the point of last thoughts? Yes, final thoughts. Todd, go ahead. Oh, if you can. (laughs) Do we need to skip you? No. I'm the dog and the dragon. Okay, good. The dog and the dragon. When, especially at the end, when Kaladin, Kaladin's going through his horrific stuff and he says, can you tell me the real ending? Kaladin asked his voice small before I go back out. Wit stood and stepped over and then put his hand on Kaladin's back and leaned in. That night, he said, the little dog snuggled into a warm bed beside the fire, hugged by the farmer's children, his belly full. And as he did, the dog thought to himself, I doubt any dragon ever had it so good. He smiled and met Kaladin's eyes. It won't be like that for me, Kaladin said. You told me it would get worse. It will, Wit said. But then it will get better. Then it will get worse again, then better. This is life, and I will not lie by saying every day it will be sunshine. But there will be sunshine again, and that is a very different thing to say. That is truth. I promise you, Kaladin, you will be warm again. I don't even want to touch that. Megan, do you have a final thought? Yeah, next time uh, you do a final thought like that, say, I'm going last. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Damn it, Todd. My other prediction that I am concerned about is that Liren is going to decide to take a stand to fight back and get killed. Like It'll be like Ooh. the one time he stands up for, right, instead of just kind of going along with, you know, whoever's the leader, I'm just going to keep doing my job here. I don't really... I don't get into the politics. I don't get into the war part. That's that's not me. I'm just this healer, and I'll heal everybody who needs help. But I think he is going to decide to uh, stand up for he's his gonna, people and get killed. He's going to throw a scalpel, and it's going to bounce off the plating <laughs> of one of the... The, the carapace. The, the carapace. It's going to bounce back and hit him in the eye, and down he goes. Could be. I yeah. will tell you... Forget I, it, kid. You'll shoot your eye out. I had a similar <laughs> prediction as I was reading through. I had a similar prediction on that, yeah. that I was... With the way the pursuer works and the kind of the back and forth between Kaladin and the pursuer that we had, yeah, that we would see a ribbon shoot at Kaladin when he was vulnerable, and that Liren would finally take a stand and protect his son and step in front and take the ribbon to the chest. And I, I'm sitting here going, oh, oh, and I cannot wait for you to see how that pans out. So. Okay. Mm, okay, Ryan, any final thoughts? Oh, I didn't really. I I, I can't say I really have any either. I, my thought is let's just get into five so that we can actually be fully open and honest about everything and talk. So. Yeah, we did two episodes on parts one and two, partly just because we sucked about talking it, about it the first time, at least in an organized way. If you listen way. to those episodes, I think you figured out why we did two. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, a lot of people did say that the 
that the original episode was okay. And I'm like, yeah, because you heard the other one first. Yep. Um, anyway, I don't think we're going to do two episodes on this because if we do two episodes, again, it'll be on part five when we can actually talk about all this stuff. Um, and so we're, we're going to leave this one here. I know there's stuff we didn't get to. Um, people were asking about so much Dalinar becoming the storm and whoever Shallan was tailing in, uh, lasting integrity that sort of thing like there are lots of little moments and questions and pieces of lore but if you've listened to us this long you know we're not going to get to everything so i hope you enjoyed this discussion we are going to come back for part five for one or possibly two more episodes on rhythm of war so make sure you're subscribed to all the places for that speaking of which i do want to encourage people i failed to do this at the beginning of the episode but please go to youtube check us out on youtube i have made a commitment uh, this year um, I, I made a New Year's resolution, which sometimes I do take seriously. You know, they're a little bit cheesy, but sometimes uh, they're good. But my New Year's res- New Year's resolution was to make 40 videos for our YouTube channel this year. Wow. Um, and so yeah. there'll be a varying types and, uh, you know, on different subjects, but uh, yeah. hopefully there are things that you will enjoy. So please go check that out. Um, we'd love for the YouTube channel to be possibly a new avenue for the Legendarium generally to explore. You can um, slowly watch Professor Craig develop and then devolve into just sock puppets. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I, I so I am doing I'm doing all these solo videos, and that's going to be great. Um, Ryan's got one or two up on the channel that you can yep. check out. I I have actually I'm just going to reveal this, Ryan. I I have tasked Ryan with. Figuring out how to make these discussions videoable uh, and and in a good way. I mean, we could throw a webcam up and let you watch, but that's not. It's not we, the same. That's not the way that we do things. Yeah. And so, if we can't bring you something that's going to be pretty quality, then we're not going to bring it to you at all. So it's really hard to find a body double for Ken right now. I'm yeah. Really struggling. <laughs> all, all the stunts that we have to put him through. Right. Um, anyway, so yeah, please go go fly, my pretties, and uh, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'd love to see you there. And I think that'll do us do it for us today. We'll see y'all next time. I didn't get to say my favorite quote, which is. Hush, Wit said, this isn't the part where you talk.